Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly and co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Listen, we have a guest on who is just wonderful. Uh, so many of you know him. He is Dick Durbin, the Honorable U.S. Senator of Illinois, a gentleman I've had the honor of knowing for many, many years. Senator, how are you? Cliff, I'm great, and I want to just thank you for inviting me on your show. And I want to say, as I was listening to the lead in there, when I heard Ray Charles singing America the Beautiful, I thought, one of my favorites of all time. And I'm just, it was so great to hear those words and to hear that great man. It's been a long time. So thank you for letting me join you this afternoon. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Uh, you know, we, we've known each other for many, many years, as, as you well know. So, uh, you know, there's so many things going in. Uh, what's the most important thing that we should be talking about, Senator? We've got to deal with this coronavirus. Yes. Killing too many people, Cliff. Right. We've lost over 205,000 Americans. And what's terrible about it is not just the loss of life, but the fact that there are more people dying in this country than many other countries. Mm-hmm. And, and we're looking at it and saying, mm-hmm. what's going on here? The United States has five, four and a half, five percent of the world's population, and we got 20% of the COVID-19 deaths. This pandemic has not been handled well, mm-hmm. and it's hurt America, but it's especially, especially hurted, hurting African Americans and, and Latinos in our country. They're dying at a much higher rate than, than, than others. It, it, that is number one. You can't get this economy rolling in the right direction until we get this virus under control. What You've always come up with some very great ideas, and particularly legislatively. What, what are we going to do about this, uh, Senator? They, you know, I know you things, talk. Yeah, please. There are three things we got to do. Three things we got to do. Okay. First is we got to have more testing. More testing. We do about a million tests a day in America. The experts say we should be doing four times that amount. Some Mm. say ten times that amount. Mm. And why would you do so many tests? Well, you want to find out if a person is carrying this virus as quickly and as early as possible. Mm -hmm. So you can tell them, quarantine, get out of circulation. Give me the names of the people you've been around over the last few Mm -hmm. days. So we can talk to them, too. Testing's number one. Number two is therapies. We got to come up with more therapies, and and that is a matter of research and development. It's on its way. And the third thing clearly is a vaccine. Uh, Cliff, you and I can remember when we were little kids, just tiny kids, and everybody was scared of polio. Remember That's right. that? I certainly I do. Sure I, do. I, I've mentioned it. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I I remember the day mm-hmm. when they said, you know what, we found a cure. Right. Dr. Jonas Salk. Mm-hmm has salk vaccine. Yep. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to get any needles stuck in my arm, but I sure didn't want polio, as I've seen That's, some of my friends get it. That's right. So we wiped out polio in the United mm-hmm. States of America because we got the vaccine. So we got to do all three of those things, testing, therapy, vaccines. And we've got to be honest with the American people. Mm-hmm. Some people say, you know, I'm, not, I'm never wearing a mask. I'll show you we got to get everybody on board here. We all got to wear a mask. I mean, that's a way to, to break the back of this virus. Well, it certainly is. My uh, co-host, uh, Senator, is 
uh, someone who certainly knows about these things. He's a colonel, but he's also a doctor. <laughs> Do- yes, <sir>. Dr. <laughs> Damon Arnold. Doc, you want to say something? Oh, yes. I, I think that, uh, you know, Senator, first of all, I've had the pleasure of meeting you when I was the director for uh, the Department of Public Health at, in Illinois, and I had a picture with you. I'm still wanting a more recent picture <laughs> uh, with you because uh, <laughs> you're one of my heroes. I have a, 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 hero, a wall of heroes, so <clears throat> you're one of them. Uh, but, uh, you know, also, you know, the thing that is really going on is that uh, this whole thing about mask and not using the mask and not social mm-hmm. distancing mm-hmm. and not washing your hands you know, with soap and water and then using a sanitizer if you don't have soap and water. You know, between that and then the vaccines, we know the therapies are coming forward, but it's so important for people to follow these public health guidelines. And I know you've been advocating for those for some time already, um, as well as many of the, you know, people who uh, surround you. (laughs) But but right now it's uh, one of those things where it's imperative, and we can see what happens when you don't follow those uh, precepts. You know, uh, the the president is in the hospital now uh, because of, uh, I think, a violation of those basic public health rules. And uh, it seems like there are more and more people being added to the list of people who are in attendance uh, at that, those events. So um, what would you recommend for people yeah. to do now? I mean, th- should we be following those uh, public health mandates? Oh, absolutely, doctor. I want to tell you something. It's not too much to ask. And you look at the countries that do it, and they have the rate of infection much lower. And people say, well, don't be picking on the United States. Well, I want to just tell you something. The rate of infection for COVID-19 in the United States is twice what it is in Canada. Come on now. Twice what it is in Canada. There is no excuse for that. And, Doctor, I just hope, I wish that, you know, I I want to win this election. I'm obviously not supporting the president. I'm supporting Joe Biden. But I want to tell you, I know this is not a political program, and I want to say, I have wished a speedy recovery to this president and to the first lady. Mm-hmm. I hope they get out of the hospital well very soon. And I hope they walk out the front door the president does wearing a mask, saying it's a new day in America. Everybody put on a mask. Republicans, Democrats, let's all do it. Mm-hmm. That would be a big thing. Yeah, and, and, and that, that speaks to, you know, the moral character of yourself and, uh, you know, that you know, that you, you know, you can have political differences and, and geopolitical things. So even in a nonpartisan world, you still have your basic dignity, morals, and, and you know, moral fiber that says, you know, people should be doing well, and you don't wish anyone ill well, you know, well, you know ill health or, you know, bad outcome. Sure. Of course not. And so, no. so I think that that is really a good thing to say that it shows compassion and empathy because, as you mentioned before, there are over 205,000 people who've lost their lives and we have to really think about those families you know uh not having funerals um not oh having, it's terrible it, it mm-hmm. is it's really can you tragic. imagine yeah you imagine your parent or grandparent whom you dearly love and all you do is watch yeah. them through glass you can't touch their hand mm-hmm. you can't speak to them or whisper to them in their closing hours of life i mean that is about as bad as it gets and and I, I we've got to do we got to really turn this around. America can do a lot better. Yes. Well, one thing you've done a lot of great work, obviously, and you know we've known each other for years. But uh, the one thing I'd like you to uh, give us a little help with, which you always have done, uh, Senator, is the, the state of Illinois communities. What do we need to be doing here? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Cliff, there are a lot of things we need to do, and I think you know as well as I do. 
we're talking about making sure health care is available to everybody. How do you do that? Well, you don't kill the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, right. which basically gave 20 million more Americans health insurance. Mm-hmm. We cut the number of uninsured Ameri- uh, Illinoisans in half with Obamacare, in half. And Cliff, I, I've met a lot of those people. I bet you have too. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've met people over the age of 60 who told me that until Obamacare, they never had health insurance one day in their lives. And these were not lazy people. These are people who got up and went to work. They just didn't have any benefits for working. Mm-hmm. So we changed that. We can't go back to the bad old days. I'm afraid there are a lot of people who want to. I don't want to see that. Secondly, we got to do something about education. Boy, did we learn a lesson here when we went to remote learning. We learned how many young people don't have laptops, don't have access to broadband. They couldn't get online if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Boy, what an eye-opener that is. If we can't make sure that broadband reaches every corner of our state and nation, we cannot move into this 21st century and compete. And these young people don't have a fighting chance. So you look at health care, you look at education, and then you look at individual communities. I don't know if you're familiar, I'll bet you are, Cliff, with Pembroke Township. I Down sure am. County. Are you familiar with it? I was you know, when I was in Concon. Well, I want to tell you. <laughs> I was in yeah. Back back in the day, back yeah. in the day, you knew what they used to grow. The African Americans who came up mm-hmm. from the South mm-hmm. grew hemp, hemp, yeah. in Pembroke yeah. Township, and yeah. then it all there was no market for it, it went away, and they've had nothing but poverty since. Well, guess what's come back strong? Hemp. Isn't that we got it in the farm bill. We got programs for it. I've been down to Pembroke. It was mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. And people are saying, let's, let's, let's start it over. Let's get this growing again. Mm-hmm. This is a good place to grow hemp. And I'm going to try to help them get some Department of Agriculture benefits. Now, that's one small community, but you and I both know it's a very poor community. Some right. wonderful, wonderful people. But they need some hope, and that's yeah, one way yeah. to do it. The only reason I knew about it, uh, Senator, you were probably surprised that I did. I was a delegate to the Constitutional Conventions some, some years ago, and we, of course— went all over the state, and that was one of the places that we visited because we, we knew that they, they yeah. needed it. Yeah. yeah. I know how many years ago that was, and I'm not going to say. <laughs> 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 but, you know, Senator, you know, one, th- one thing that uh, is really in, uh, important, uh, you know, because what you're saying is that, you know, the broadband and all those things that need to be put in place and the infrastructure, you know, needs to be built up in our communities. Um, but one of the things that's essential for that to occur is really to make sure that people go out and vote, you know, to make right. sure they're putting people in that will actually support that kind of mm-hmm. initiative to rebuild and, and strengthen our communities and uh, with the will of the people what they want to see uh, happen in the communities. And and also, if you can mention a little bit about what you think about mm-hmm. veterans, because I know you've done a mm-hmm. lot of great things around veterans as well. And you know, helping our um, our plight in life and our cause, and uh, so uh, just really want to thank you for that. But then, you know, anything you have to say about that, Colonel? Let me tell you something. You know this better than anybody, and Cliff does too, as a veteran. You know, there was a t- I, I grew up with the Vietnam generation, yeah. And I, I did not serve, but those who came home, many of them came home with troubled troubled minds. They had been exposed to trauma and combat and things which really hurt them. And they came home, and I remember a lot of people say, what's wrong with that person? Mm -hmm. He's not the same person that left for the war. He came back, 
He's got problems keeping a job. He's got problems staying married. He's drinking too much. He's doing this, he's doing that. And, you know, we, we looked around and said, what the heck happened to him? We know now PTSD happened to him. They were exposed to things serving in the military. Mm-hmm. It was only in, with the Iraq War, I think that was the first time that I really noticed young veterans coming home saying, I've got PTSD, I need help. Yeah. And they were very open about it. And the VA started doing things. I mean, I, I sat in at Heinz VA once. They, they got permission to sit in on a counseling session for PTSD on a Friday afternoon after work. And there were six veterans who came in. They were all men in this circumstance. They all came in for PTSD counseling. As soon as that door closed, a couple of them broke down in tears. I mean, they were going through such emotional trouble and pain. We're now talking about that in honest terms, and we've got to keep talking about it. We can help these men and women who are facing this, and we've got to make sure that the VA is always there for them. We've got some great VA hospitals. We've got to put the investment in the men and women who work there and in the equipment for these hospitals. I really believe it. I think we've done some good things. We can do more. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that, Senator. Uh, of course, that's what one of the major things that America's Heroes Group does uh, is help uh, veterans, obviously. Mm-hmm. But we, we, we do so much, yeah. and we've got some great people with, with the veterans. Yes. You know, one other thing is, like, you know, we've had, we have so many elected officials in the state of Illinois, and since March, I've been helping out with the uh, Illinois Department of Public Health with this COVID response issue. And some of the, you know, the works that you've been doing, uh, Tammy Duckworth, other people, you know, who are representing our state, I'm wishing that some of the other states around us would do the same because our numbers seem to be stabilizing and we seem to be doing much better than many of the states that's surrounding us. They're, they're going back into the red zone. Uh, we actually we decreased our positivity rate to 3.4%. Um, and it looks like we're sort of leveling off because of the concerted effort of the governor and people who are in, you know, in the political positions such as yourself, Senator, who have been, you know, pushing and advocating to, for us to follow these directives. And so what kind of recommendations would you give to the other, you know, states where the people are not following those guidelines as much? Well, I want to salute Governor Pritzker and his team, Department of Public Health, Dr. Zike, and, and others, uh, I want to salute the mayor, Mayor Lightfoot, and Dr. Orwadi. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had a tough assignment. Yes. Ever since this got started, they had to have old press conferences and tell people bad news. Yes. Here's the bad news now. We can't reopen uh, to such and such a date. Yes. We've got to be careful when it comes to schools, on and on and on. But that's what leadership's all about. It's, it's mm-hmm. saying what needs to be said, even if it's not popular. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we've got to say to governors in other states, Face up to it. If we all join hands, not fig, not literally, but figuratively, if we all join hands and say, we're going to give four straight weeks of solid effort to bring the infection rate, going to cut it in half. We can do it in four weeks if we all play by the same rules with determination, put politics aside. Let's make the health of our families and ourselves the number one priority, and let's make the month of November or the month of December the turnaround moment for the United States of America. That's what we need. We need people who will speak to that that as an aspiration that can save lives and make a big difference in the future of this country. Uh, I, I think that's what it takes. And, and I, can I say a word too about my colleague Tammy Duckworth? Oh, sure. I'm, no, I met her. Mm-hmm. I met her 15 years ago. I invited her as a guest. 
she was at Walter Reed Hospital. She'd been shot down over a rock mm-hmm. in a helicopter. She was a pilot for the Illinois National Guard, shot down with a rocket-propelled grenade that exploded in the cockpit. She lost both of her legs, and they thought she was going to lose her arm. And I saw her 11 weeks after she was shot down. She came into my office, guest for the State of the Union address, and I sat down and met her and her husband, Brian, also in the Illinois National Guard, for the very first time. And I thought, these are some of the most amazing people I've ever met. And I, I kind of kept in touch with her. I became her go-to guy with Walter Reed problems. Any, any, no, any soldier from any state, we're going to call Durbin's office. So they called, and we, we tried to help. And we didn't get it, all of them help. We got a lot of them did. And I talked her into running for – I didn't talk her into – I asked her if she would consider running for Congress. She did. She didn't win the first time. She won the second time. And now she's been elected as my colleague. I want to tell you, in the 100 people who serve today in the United States Senate, there is one senator, one senator, who stands up every darn day for veterans and for the military, and that's Tammy Duckworth. And nobody questions her. They know she is committed to it. So we're lucky to have her in Illinois, but she's fighting for veterans all across this country. Yes, she is. Uh, I really love her. Um, I did two tours over in Iraq, and actually uh, when they opened that highway for the new uh, highway for Veterans Highway, I actually walked across that with her and gave her my flag because she had lost her flag in the helicopter when she was in it. And so it was really a a very deep moment for us. Uh, Both of us were really mentally uh, distrained (laughs) behind that. But, uh, Senator, um, you are just uh, wonderful for bringing that up about her. Yes, Senator, is so great. She's the best. Oh, yeah, as you are. You've done some great work. I've had the opportunity to know you for a long time, and we just appreciate the great work that you do. Mm -hmm. Cliff, can I tell you one other thing before we break up? I want to tell you one thing. Sure. It it was about eight years ago, and somebody started uh, talking to me about many of the disabled veterans who came home who wanted to stay in their homes. That's where they wanted to live. Some of them had family there. Some of them had wife and kids there. Some of them had parents there. They preferred staying in their homes rather than going any other place, whether it was a VA facility or whatever it was. And I thought to myself, if that's what they want and that's Mm -hmm. good for them, let's do it. So we created a caregiver's program in the VA. And this caregiver's program said if you are a spouse or a parent or a relative who is caring for a disabled vet, we're going to give you three things. First thing we're going to give you is you're going to get the necessary nursing training so that you can take care of your vet, what they may need medically, watch out for things that may be dangerous for them, and so forth. Secondly, we want to make sure that uh, you have some time off each year. We'll give you two weeks of respite care so the caregiver can go off on vacation or for a break, and we'll have visiting nurses take over for a two-week period of time if necessary. Mm-hmm. And number three, we'll give you a, a little bit of financial help. Not a lot, yep. 2500 bucks a month. Right. And it, 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 you know, it, it adds up because they got their VA benefit, their yeah, disability yeah. benefits Absolutely. and the caregiver benefit. Yeah, because Senator, I so, want to say one quick thing. Uh, this vote and then restoring military honor and valor, we went to a, a, a reception, a, a, a little uh, thing back in, the, in a few weeks ago, and they were just saying, get our veterans up in the forefront. So thank you so much uh, for your time. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.